Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome everybody to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me as always is owner of House of the Unusual, Eddie Guevara. Along with us tonight is the one, the only, the horror magician, Chuck Caputo. We also have a special guest tonight, world-famous hypnotist, Michael Mesmer. How you guys doing tonight? And thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you out in the audience for, for joining us once again and, and for supporting us. Um, you, you guys all out there, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you all know myself. You definitely know Eddie and you definitely know Chuck, but we got a new guy on tonight, Michael Mesmer. Michael, thank you so much for, for coming on and joining us tonight. And um, why don't you go ahead and tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and, um, you know, go from there, you know, just a little bit about your background. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited to be with you guys tonight because, uh, you know, all this stuff is my favorite subject matter. So it's really cool to be with you. Uh, yeah, for the audience, I am a clinical hypnotherapist. Uh, I do clinical hypnotherapy work. Plus, I do stage hypnosis shows. Uh, and I'm also an illusionist magician. I've toured to 25 countries around the world and performed for Michael Jackson and Princess Grace and Cary Grant, all sorts of people. Um, I also hold a degree in psychology and um I work at the Unger Medical Center in Rancho Cucamonga, California, doing hypnotherapy for him and his clients. And uh, also, Joe, as you know, I work um, as a writer for Scary Monsters magazine. So really cool to be here with you all tonight. Awesome. Awesome. You know, thank you for, for coming on. And that's how, you know, I, I, you know, remembered you from from Scary Monsters. And we had talked a few times on, on Facebook back when I, I had the social media. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed your articles. I thought you'd be a, a great fit for this this uh this podcast because it's all along the same lines hypnotism illusions you know the mail order horror stuff all that all that good stuff that we're we're into and we all enjoy talking about so you know once again thank you for for coming on and joining us for this this little conversation um chuck what's what's new with you brother welcome aboard again hey it's always great coming here thank you so much for having me again nothing really new in pittsburgh i mean it's been cold the weather's been kind of crazy i took my daily walk in the local cemetery of all places. It's a nice, nice, nice quiet place. <laughs> yeah. You, I'm, I'm in Northeast Ohio. So I'm about 45 minutes from you and they're, they're calling for snow tonight. So oh, yeah, it's crazy. We might have a little treat. Eddie brother. What's up, man? How's it going on the, uh, the East? Well, coast uh, over there? I just, uh, everything's going fantastic here. Um, I was just shocked though. When I heard Chuck, I was saying he took a walk in the cemetery, just like Lily and, and Herman would say, uh, "Grandpa's in the walk with the cemetery tonight." You know, <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. I want to. I'm actually looking forward to hear what Mr. Mercer there has to say, um, especially the places he's toured and stuff. Um, I'm sure they have a lot to him and and Chuck will discuss. And and they're more like the experts of the trade. I am more like the expert of the novelty. So, uh, yeah. going on ahead. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you, we got we got two good good magicians and illusionists here. So I'd like to, to hear you guys, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sure Chuck and Michael, you guys might have some questions for each other. So uh, Chuck, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you and um, put you on the spot here a little hey, bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hey, that, hey, that's no problem at all. Well, first of all, Mike, it's very, it's a pleasure, you know, to uh, talk to you and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's fantastic to hear you. And uh, you know what, uh, uh, you know, uh, personally, uh, you know what, I've always been a fan of hypnotism. I mean, uh, throughout the years, I've actually worked with quite a few. And, uh, you know, like, you know, what's weird, Mike, I, I, I throughout the years, I've done a lot of after prom shows. And the only act that goes well for after prom high school graduates is is a, a hypnotist act. I mean, uh, magic, ma magic does not go over very well, especially the stage shows. Close up magic. Yes. And I and I've worked with a lot of hypnotists and they do a bang up job, man. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. The grad nights and post prom shows are our uh, you know, main thing where during that time of year, we really uh, uh, are the headliner at those events. Because, as you say, what it is, is the kids want to see their friends doing something. Uh, and if you do that, you know, if you do that, then you're a winner. Right. If you're just doing if you're doing magic or illusion or something, it's great. But you don't get the kids involved. So this way they're seeing their friends up there. And for every friend up there, they have 10 friends in the audience. So everybody has a great time. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. 
it's a lot of fun and uh, I always enjoy it. I I just got a call today to do five for five uh, ones, five post proms in May. So things are starting to pick up again, which is a good, good thing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that, that I always admired about hypnotism, I mean, I've actually known a few people that went to hypnotists and they lost weight. They've, they've quit smoking. I mean, so if you, you want to, you know what, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about that, how that actually works and uh, that would be great. Well, yeah, you know, I uh, I studied with Gil Boyne at the Hypnotism Training Institute in Glendale, California, which no longer exists, but Gil is uh, legendary. Also, my other mentor was Orman McGill. And so, um, and you probably are familiar with Orman McGill uh, sure, through sure. his through his writings and his books. Right. So Orman and Gil, Orman and Gil were my mentors. And um, yeah, um, what was the question again? I got off track there. Sorry. Well, yeah, you know what? Throughout the years, like I said, I've actually known people that went to hypnotists to stop smoking, to lose weight, and it and it worked. I mean, it absolutely worked. Oh yeah, I, I do the hypnotherapy for that right now. I'm really deep into my COVID gnosis hypnotherapy program because I'm helping people by doing online hypnotherapy with the issues that ha- have to do with COVID and the mental challenges from COVID. Nice. So uh, it's it's really good work because I'm really helping a lot of people that need it right now. What is yeah. the or- uh, what is the origin of uh, hypnotism, Mike? I mean, uh, you know what? I did some research on on uh, online a little bit. It seems like it really got popular like in the 1800s or something, and uh, you know what? It probably goes back to some form of, you know, almost like a translate uh, like states all the way back to the Greek times or so forth. I don't know. Can you uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. Uh, the Greek god Hypnos uh, was the origin of it. They used to have sleep rooms that they would have and uh, mm-hmm. they would go in and actually do trance, you know, group trance, really. Uh, but uh, it goes way, way back. I would imagine even further than that. Um, you know, when I was in Asia, what inspired me to study hypnosis when I was touring as a magician was when I saw the trance ceremonies in Thailand and Malaysia and all of that. Um, they have like a ceremony called the Kin J in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a vegetarian thing, actually. But they go into the temple. They go into trance, take their God within them is what they how they explain it. And then they put these inch and a half, two inch steel spikes from one cheek to the other through their mouth uh, and they hang weights on it and they put skewers through their tongue outside of their mouth and they walk through the streets for 12 to 24 hours, return to the temple, pull out all the spikes, all the skewers, no pain, no marks, no blood. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. So, um, you know, it was that kind of thing that inspired me to want to study hypnosis, actually. You know, uh, if I can bring something to the table, um, and I had spoken this with Mike earlier, I think it was about a week ago when we first spoke. I think also hypnosis was made very popular, especially in the late 60s, early 70s. I, and I think this comes from the uh, evidence that most people love some type of control. If they can have control over other people. Uh, and in fact, most of the mail order companies out there, uh, especially the ones that are the get well and stuff, they always offer you a better look a better uh, way in life, a rich, you'll become rich. So it holds all the points that humans, uh, we desire in ourselves. And um, I think one of the greatest points, especially with the hypnosis is back in the early seventies that I can remember as a kid, comic books were heavily influenced with hypnosis. In fact, that's when you had companies in New York city, like the Barry view company that came out with the hypno coin. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you had many companies, and I mean, the comic books and especially detective magazines at the time um, were really filled, including Psychology Today, which is a magazine I remember as a kid, was filled with this, uh, what you can send away from the HypnoCoin. In fact, Psychology Today, even though it's a psychologist magazine, had a lot to do with a lot of the novelties, too. They sold in there the the Hercules wristband. They sold many of the mail-order things, especially from Honor House. John hmm. Smith, and uh, one of the fascinating things about it was, I think, what drew me to it is um, the weekends you were able to see Abbott and Costello, and when you saw, especially Dracula, where he would tell, "Come to me," and somehow <laughs> put you know Costello in a trance or hypnotize him and stuff, and all the ads. If you look at all the ads in comics from the Seven Foot Ghost to whatever it was, one of the leading points they used a phrase that would that always took me always inspired me was obeys your command oh yeah <laughs> and and that is exactly how the hypno hypnotic world i think at the time um started taking a lot of power force into into i guess every day where you had little kids looking at all the ads and let's be honest 
American Circle Corp, when it shows the man hypnotizing the lady with the stars in the background, 25 Lessons in Hypnotism. Um, I saw that ad and I was sold forever. Like there was nothing more that I wanted to, than to hypnotize when I was little. And I remember even telling my mom I wanted to attend I'll go to a psychiatrist so he could teach me how to hypnotize. <laughs> and my mom is like, why would you want to go? Because they're the only ones that know how to hypnotize. I think it, it gave a false sense of, of, of belief that you would take control of a human and have them do your bidding. It kind yeah, of, if that's, go ahead. Unfortunately, that's not the truth of hypnosis, <laughs> but it was the fantasy of hypnosis. Um, Real hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So literally, the hypnotist just guides people and allows them to be able to place themselves in the state of relaxation we call hypnosis. But it's a natural thing that everybody does. So uh, you can't really do what they explain. That I got that ad. I bought that ad. I bought that hypno coin. I bought that book. I bought yeah. the uh, dungeon glasses as well. Uh, <laughs> but you can't really do what they say. But it was good advertising. But the thing is, uh, it can be achieved if you use hypnotic drugs with it, like they do in other countries, mm -hmm. like the Manchurian candidate concept. But other than that, you, you can't force anyone to do it, your bidding just with pure natural hypnosis, which is a natural state of relaxation. But it was a good sell. At the time. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It was a good sell. I <laughs> bought I it. Was one of the suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably the only other question. Yeah, probably one of the other questions I had, Mike. You know what? I, I I've read a lot about this for for many many years. Remote viewing. I guess that's tied into hypnosis, kind of, right? I mean, I mean, where where there's been you know uh, people that were you know like as an example, maybe held hostage somewhere, and then and then you know from, from another country, uh, you know, we would have people concentrate and they would zero in on exactly where these individuals were being held and so forth. I mean, uh, uh, does this uh, does this tie into uh, hypnotism kind of? Well, I wouldn't say that it directly ties in. Um, it uh, seems to be something that some people have a ability or acuity to do. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine you do need to be able to relax deeply to be able to focus to that level. So perhaps hypnosis ties in in that respect. Mm -hmm. But um, hypnosis is not a supernatural thing in any way. It's not a um, like you see in the movies. It's not like Dracula, like you were mentioning earlier. Uh, it's, it's very much a natural relaxation uh, technique. And so you do access your subconscious and maybe in doing that and getting that deep, you're able to focus to the point where you can ignite right. whatever natural ability you have to do this remote viewing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I tell you what, Michael, I, I found a, um, actually about a year ago, um, a guy on YouTube, his name is Michael Seeley. I, I believe he's from uh, the United Kingdom. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, he does kind of like a, he has self hypnosis, um, um, audio videos on there so I've, yeah. I've used that many times to you know if i've had a long day at work or if i'm I'm feeling very anxious i've actually used his audio to kind of relax myself and get into that deep relaxation and i, I tell you what man i i could go from from dead tired and do a 20 30 minute you know relaxation session with that and i feel like a new person after that and it's just yeah. from just sitting there relaxing i mean it's amazing oh yeah oh yeah well the thing is as long as you're open to wanting to do it it works beautifully mm -hmm. like you're mm -hmm. saying you you want to do it you wanted to enjoy, experience it so you did that the point being though that no one can be made right. to do hypnosis or forced right. to do it if you want to do it it works phenomenally well you know, um, that, you know i i was gonna I'm say sorry, go ahead. i was gonna say uh one of my um inspirations was bruce lee i know that's not a hypnotist but bruce used to be on the set and people would challenge him to fight on the set all the time and it, like enter the dragon he would have to fight them on the set to keep his reputation well it's very much the same with me a lot of times after my shows when i'm on tour i go into a burger joint and kids will come up to me and say we saw you do the hypnosis we don't believe you can do it but i want you to try to hypnotize me i said well if you want to be hypnotized yeah okay and then I'll put them in hypnosis like in 30 mm -hmm. seconds. But you have you to have want to, to do, do have to want yeah. to do it. The, yeah. That, that, that was going to be my, my question. How how hard is it or is it impossible if someone absolutely doesn't want to be hypnotized and they try to fight you? Is there a way to hypnotize them or is that just kind of like a lost cause? Like they, they have to absolutely want to be, uh, you know, hypnotized and want to go along with it. Yeah, the only way that can be achieved is, as I mentioned, how they do with like Manchurian Candidate, where they use hypnotic drugs to break down your defenses, and then you can use your hypnosis with that and make someone who is not wanting to do it, do it. But 
For natural hypnosis, like we do for therapy or stage shows or anything else, no. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. not going to happen. You, you so know I, what? I, I can't walk around with my Dracula cape and try to <laughs> hypnotize people out on the street. And so if know, they don't want to say, get the hell out of here. You, you know, here, here's where the reality, I think, is. You know, here's, if I, I'm going to put in this uh, two cents of my hair in this part. Uh, having spent so many years as a collector and a mail order uh, person and in search of so much mail order stuff, that, like I said, the difference that makes me different from everybody probably else in the world is that I was so uh, so much influenced by the comic book ads that I lived them. And what I mean by yeah. living them is that I found and I did every type of research possible as to what caused people to buy. I, I would study different things as to try to make a better ad and what people really wanted. And somehow I can't explain it, but I'm, I'm going to say one thing, for example. The when we're talking about right now, uh, what you said, Astro, which Chuck, you asked this question. What's happened was in the early 70s, especially in some comic books, and I'm talking about those comic books, one of them had, was titled like Love, the uh, that was more for a mature audience, right? They started putting ads in that some even had witchcraft books you could buy, you astral projection thing, and, and they started like out of body experience, and they started somehow trying to tie that into hypnosis. Mm -hmm which was all a selling point. It was just basically trying to sell people a better. It's kind of like making the wheel a little better. <laughs> so hypnosis is simple. It doesn't really give you the control, but maybe if we sell, in fact, I remember purchasing a book and I fell for this when I was around 15 that said, you can hypnotize a girl at the glance. You can, she could would be sitting down in a seat 10 feet away from you. You could hypnotize her and have her do your bidding. Only if you're as good looking as me, Eddie. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, the point is that that was sold to the public, and it was sold on, you know, through eBay. Right. It was sold not too long ago, and that's what I think it is that a lot of people know how to market. One of the best marketers in the world was Count Dante. Uh, that he, you know, he he put ads saying he was the deadliest man alive. Mm -hmm. He made challenges. He just knew how to puff up a lot of wind and get people to believe what he said. It didn't mean he was. It's kind of like what Bruce Lee did. They were great marketing people back at the time, great advertisers. And that's what I think hypnosis also it came in. Because as a kid, I couldn't wait to order the hypno coin. In fact, I, right. I had special powers. I, you, do you know, Mike, and, and this is this is kind of crazy even to say that, Michael, I have every hypnotist record, book, or anything that was ever sold on the subject. In fact, wow. one of the biggest guys, and you're going to know who I'm talking about, was out of California, Melvin Powers. Oh, yeah. He wrote um, Hypnotism Made Easy. He also wrote a lot of books about horse racing and stuff like that. Those were the first books I ever sold in mail order. Uh, wow. You know, and I still have quite a few of them. But the point I'm trying to say to you is that it, it's incredible, incredible the amount of marketing that took place in the early 70s. Oh, absolutely. Yep. To, to just brainwash kids. And <laughs> let's be honest, who are the people that are buying in comic books? They're kids who know no better, who believe <laughs> anything they're told, and they have a lot of money to spend. And if not, they do like me. When I didn't get the money, my grandfather had a little piggy bank of dimes. Uh, I would go to that piggy bank and take two or three bucks. And you know what was so funny? Let's be honest. Three bucks in 1970 bought you the 25 lessons. Oh, yeah. They bought you, and, and here's another thing. L.E.G. Young, I think, was the one that wrote 25 lessons in hypnotism. Yes. Okay. In that book, there's a couple of chapters that deal with that astral projection, stuff like that. And it, it, again, it's it's not the 25 lessons pamphlet that was sold by American Circle. But you know what? It tied in a lot of different things that had nothing to do with hypnosis. Right. So, well, you know, you're talking about you're talking about looking across the room at a woman <laughs> hypnotizing her. Well, truth is, the truth is, there is such a thing as conversational hypnosis. And you can do that with people at a party or something. And it can influence them, whether you can control them. That's mm -hmm. a different issue. But you definitely you don't have to have a formalized uh, setting or a formalized situation to induce a hypnotic state. Well, according to what the book shows, and let me tell you, this is funny because I still have the book. It's in mint condition. Uh, wow. The book itself basically puts it. 
it's kind of like back in the 70s. They sold another very popular book that, of course, uh, Mr. Sucker here fell for. It's <laughs> How to Pick Up Girls. And one was How to Make Love to a Single Woman. <laughs> and they were both written by the same guy. And then a little bit after that came out the book with the hypnotism. What it tells you in the book is basically with a stare across the room, you would hypnotize this female with the power. It, it, it kind of made you think that you were going to concentrate on her. And this is funny, though, Mike. I, You know, this does kind of work, though. If you stare at a person from behind and they're not looking at you and you stare long enough, the person somehow gets this, oh, absolutely. this feeling yes. and they'll turn around. And so that that, that part, I think, is kind of true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know what I've also found, found funny, too, is that, you know, if, if people out there say, you know, I've, I've never been hypnotized or I can't be hypnotized, I I, I kind of think, and, and Michael, maybe you could elaborate on this a little bit, is that we've all been watching a movie and been so into the movie and watching it that people could walk in front of us and we don't even know that they've walked in front of us because we're almost like <laughs> hypnotized by what's going on on the screen. Would that be a form of hypnotism as well? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the base, here's the very basis of hypnotism. It's opening the imagination to the uncritical acceptance of an idea. So when you watch television, you're opening your imagination to that TV. And in doing so, you're slipping into that state of relaxation. I mean, during that time, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience. Someone may come up to you and say something to you, but you don't have any idea what right, they said right. to you after the show because you're because you're in a relaxed place where you feel safe, the TV opens your imagination and you go into that hypnotic state. Now, that's why it's so important what we listen to on TV. You know, so many people, they casually watch the news and they accept these things. And they're in the hypnotic state and it really does change your thinking and how you think about life and the world. So it's very important. We're always on our toes whenever we're watching something like the television and not just let it be absorbed into our yeah. subconscious. I guess there there is a reason why they call it programming. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I, think, right. I think you brought up a right. great point, Mike, because because you know what? Us doing magic shows, I mean, that's exactly what we do is is put people into like a almost like a fantasy world for maybe 45 minutes or what have you. And, and they're so absorbed in it. You know what? The, uh, that their concentration is like really, you know, they it, it, it can't be broken. You know what I mean? Well, that's right. And it's suspending, it's suspending the critical factor of their minds and allowing, allowing their imagination to open up and it creates a plausible implausibility Mm -hmm. factor. And then they accept the illusion or the magic as reality at that Mm -hmm. moment in that time. What is the purpose? What is the purpose, Mike, of like, you know, when you hold a coin or, or, or like a piece of jewelry and you have a person focus on that? I mean, do you actually, do you actually do that during your sessions? Well, that's a fixation point, and it can be anything. It could be, um, it could be. I always have people look in my eyes. Uh, however, if I'm outdoors in a very sunny day doing a show, I have them focus on a spot mm-hmm. on the stage. It really doesn't matter what it is. What it, what the point of that is, is to tire out okay. the eye muscles, and in, and and that way they start relaxing and focusing on what you're saying and right. nothing else around them. So it's called a fix. It's called okay. a fixation point. You want know, Chuck? That that's that's pretty funny you brought that up because i was just thinking of something along that lines the other day uh years ago and i i I try to work out you know every day keep myself in shape especially you know from my job and all that but years ago i had a a buddy i used to work out with and we were very much into doing you know body weight Mm -hmm. exercises so we were having a we would always try to compete against each other doing you know just body weight squats just as, as many as we could go and we'd go up to one, two, you know, mm-hmm. 300. And I, I was looking, I said, you know, I, I'm tiring out at a certain point. I'm kind of plateauing. What could mm-hmm. I, what could I do? So I started doing some research because I kind of wanted to get a, you know, a little leg up on him. And people said, fixate on mm-hmm. a certain point and just stare at that point while you're, you're doing the exercise. And it's almost like everything goes to that point and your, your body will last longer. It and worked. it actually worked. I would pick like a, a spot on the wall and I would just stare at that for the whole time and my numbers just increased and, and I wasn't even feeling tired anymore. So I don't know if, you know, that was like kind of like I was almost self-hypnotizing myself kind oh, of. absolutely. Absolutely. As I said, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. You, the person does it. We don't do it. In fact, um, I, I had a friend who uh, did a T-shirt and said hypnotherapy because you have the right to change your own mind. 
And that's really what it comes down to. And that's the, that's the essence of it. And so when you were staring at that, you had your fixation point, you're going to that zone, you go into that self hypnosis. And in doing so, your body's capable of achieving more than it normally would because you're not distracted. Right. I, I couldn't believe the results from it. I mean, something that simple and it just takes your mind away from everything. I mean, away from having to do the job away from the pain, I mean, right. there was, you know, there was no pain. There, there was nothing. It was just me going through the motions. And as the numbers were going That's up, amazing. it was like, well, almost oh, like man. I was kind of out of body. You know, I wasn't even yeah. there. I was just doing the motions. It was it was really cool. And, and you know, it, it got me really interested that the, the oh, human brain is amazing. Just absolutely. Let a- me say one thing. Let me let me bring in a, another thing here when you're saying, especially what Michael's saying here. Um, one thing that works for certain is, like I said, when I would go out of nightclubs when I was young and stuff. And I would pinpoint, I go, man, I want to pick up that girl in the corner over there. I would just kind of like keep staring. And I would stop putting in my mind like a, a heavy concentration into that person. And for some crazy reason, after a couple of minutes, the person somehow felt they were being watched and they would look at you. And uh, it does work. But what I want to say, though, is, and this is so funny when we're bringing up all this stuff, is that when we're growing up, I, I guess... Just think about anything you really like and you fixate your point and your brain that you want to accomplish that. And that comes in same, you know, like I always was looking for the seven foot robot plans. It caused me to spend weeks and time where my whole life was consumed with doing stupid things like this. I driving out to Chicago, (laughs) Illinois, just to get uh, to find a company like the melting company. Um, Everything. It sounds crazy. I was heavy into flying saucers. Uh, you know, building flying saucers, you know, everything that was from lost in space. So during the 70s to the present, there's not one thing I don't buy. If I see a spiral coin of some sort in the cover, for some reason, I still find myself buying stuff that deals with some type of hypnotism. In fact, I think even the ads that I write are fixated that there's always like eyes in the background staring forward. And if uh, if you guys are familiar with the Honor House ad, where it shows two eyes in there, believe it or not, the eyes that you see there were actually Houdini's eyes. You know, huh. if you look very closely and you blow you, it up, because yeah. I, I started, you know, like, there, there's one thing that Houdini's looking, the eyes that they used there were a Houdini thing where they kind of drew it to look like that. So the, where it says hypnotic control, Honor House has an ad, it shows the two eyes being focused. And it says hypnotic wow. control. And let me tell you, every ad I ever write, I still find myself having to do something with hypnotism. Do I know that it, it's really, you know, marketing stuff? It, well, one good example is, and this is what Michael is saying. When you guys, when anybody tells a person something many times over, eventually that person believes it. And if you cause enough sizzle, enough you know, wanting to know what's in the bag. It's like the cat in the bag thing. Like what, you know, the cat, let the cat out of the bag, whatever. If you say, I'm holding a bag, could you imagine what's here and stuff? And I keep building on that. And a good example is that book, that um, that video that was put out by me a long time ago, which I just uploaded uh, two nights ago up to my, my channel. If you go to houseoftheunusual.com, the website, and scroll down, Unboxing Mysteries, the Hunting Hitler video. That particular video, everything in there caused people to just go bizarre by just saying, can it be, can it this, you know, causing enough of curiosity to build up in one's brain until it explodes. And that's what I love about mail order as a kid. That's what I love as an adult. And I still love to get (laughs) See, This is one thing, you know, a lot of people, that's, listen, when they sell something, like a good example, I just fell for this about, and I'm sure Mike, I'm sure Joe and, and Chuck, you guys seen this. On Facebook, especially if you have Facebook or whatever, they're selling a pair of um, glasses, like blue, uh, they're supposed to be like to, for looking at the computer. And they'll take the glasses and they'll run it over somebody's pants and you see this. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know what they do? They've sold millions <laughs> of them because people are still, even though, it would be impossible. Not impossible because there are glasses. In fact, there was a camera they put out two years ago or four years ago that I think was taken off the market because it did allow for a person to view through somebody's clothes if somebody was wearing a white, like a female or, or a guy would be wearing a, 
something that was kind of like, you know, little holes in it, you can actually see underneath. So that is available, infrared mm -hmm. filters. But the point is, you won't have that on glasses. But you know what? Do you think, me knowing this, that that's impossible? You think I didn't fall? I actually bought two pairs. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, why am I buying this? And it's just the fact that that's my love for mail order. The, the, the hey, glasses. Mike, I got I got a question for you, which I'm sure a, a lot of people out there listening are, are wondering or have wondered. Is there any is there any dangers or potential dangers uh, with hypnotism? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, I was going to say to Eddie, that all goes back to X-ray specs anyway. Right? <laughs> that is correct. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, and, and I will tell you, too, just as a quick thing before we talk about it, if there's danger with hypnosis. Uh, I, and Joe, I have a new article that's going to be in the next issue of Scary Monsters. And it all opens up because I'm using uh, talking about how monster kids got interested in magic from the ads in the comic books. So uh, you might find that one of interest, Eddie, because it's going to be a cool one. And the, the article is called of Monsters and Magic. And it actually compares real magic that was in the film, starting with Lon Chaney and the silent films. And the Thayer props in that movie, which you'll know who I'm talking about there. Um, uh, and so it talks about the real magic used in films and how it was utilized and where it came from and all the scenes in the films and the mummy and everything. So anyway, I thought, but yeah, it goes back to x-ray specs. Everything goes back to x-ray specs. Everything. So, um, so uh, beyond that, uh, as far as hypnosis, no, there's no danger to natural hypnosis. And the reason being because you're in control of it yourself. And so when you talk about control with hypnosis, yes, that's what it's all about. But it's about controlling your own mind and learning how, how to control your own mind. So, um, no, there's no danger with natural hypnosis. Now, if you add drugs, hypnotic drugs with it, sure, then there could be danger because you're no longer in control of who you are or what you're doing. But natural hypnosis, no, you will never do anything or say anything or do anything that would injure you or harm you. Uh, it, it, you have a natural uh, thing within yourself that will take you immediately out of hypnosis if it's something against your morals or in your oh, danger okay. or anything like that. Hey, Mike, you know, and that, that that's one of the things I liked when I was doing uh, a lot of those audios from that uh, from Michael Seeley, you know, on the relaxation that he always uh, said in there, you know, at the beginning that if you ever find yourself uncomfortable or that if you need to come out of hypnosis, that you can come out of it. Because, you know, that was what I, I, I don't know much of, you know, almost nothing about hypnosis but when i was starting to get into it that was one of my fears of, you know what if my you know computer or phone shuts off am i stuck <laughs> sure, in this sure. you know state of relaxation you know so someone shakes me out of it but it was it was nice it, and comforting to know that that i'm i'm fully in in control you know no matter what you know happens. you know what i'm going to ask this question if, if you guys don't mind real quick because i want to bring in three things that we just talked about one that fear of being hypnotized and not coming out was a fear I think anybody who liked hypnosis was afraid of in the 70s and me growing up as well. I had that fear. The other thing is there was something that was very popular in the late 70s, especially when people, especially the Cubans that arrived in this country and all that, it happened to a couple people that I, they, that I know of. Like, say, for example, in my wife's uh, great-grandmother or something, that really happened. Some, some people came over to her house. They convinced her that they were going to give her um, $10,000, she gave them $500 or something like that. They take her to the bank and she actually gives her the, the 500 or whatever it was. Whatever oh, it was wow. And that was common. And that happened. Now, Mike, what do you say about that? Do you, <laughs> how, how do you think that was, uh, you know, how did the gypsies, which I'm sure they were gypsies, accomplish that? Well, that's kind of out of my, my realm, but I would say that, you know, any it's get rich, <laughs> it goes back to get rich quick schemes, I would think. And, uh, you know, there's still lots of that going on today. I mean, we have Bitcoin, right? So, you know. <laughs> but, but you know what's so funny? That a lot of people, especially when you see, and that's where a lot of this folklore comes in, said that they, was, they were hypnotized. Oh, they right. hypnotized you. Right. They didn't know what you were doing. And again, well, the, the reason the reason that happens is people don't want to take responsibility for their Yeah, I was actions. just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, it comes all down to responsibility. We're not being idiots, right? <laughs> Hypnotism is a good scapegoat. <laughs> That's right. And also, when you talk about the fear of hypnosis, which we were talking about, that goes way back. I mean, you go way back to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari in uh, post-World uh, right. uh, War I uh, Germany, just prior to World War II. 
that was the first film where they had a hypnotist that was at a carnival. It was a silent film. And he had a person hypnotized 24 hours a day mm -hmm. called Cesare in this coffin. And they would bring them out in the carnival and he would predict who's going to die that night. Then Caligari would send him out to murder those people. So it goes. And of course, Trilby, which became Sven Gali, all of those early things. And even through the recent movies like Get Out that was out a couple of years back. It's all about people losing control of their right. minds, doing things that are evil and maybe never maybe maybe never regaining their mind again. So those fears are deep seated in fiction, comic books, yeah, right, exactly. uh, soap operas, movies. But oh, it started a long yeah. time ago, a long, long time well, ago. Now, 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 Michael, you're you're talking about uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which if nobody's ever seen it, definitely check it out. It's a, it's a great silent movie. Oh, yeah. I believe I but, saw uh, that. A year, oh, that's, many good. that's years a cool. Ago. That's a cool movie. I, I yeah, it. it's a. I have great movie, but but Michael, uh, speaking of like the traveling carnivals, and we've touched on it before, you know, in, in our conversations. But were there hypnotists that traveled with with some of these carnivals and, and performed for you know audiences? Oh yeah, well, I mean, I I wouldn't call it that I carnival, but of course, I still do state and county fairs. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, well. Um, let's see. There was a what was the movie you would probably know, Joe, with Orson Welles when he was a gypsy and he was a hypnotist. What was the name of that movie? Uh, Black, the Black uh, Black um, Magic. Black Magic's the name of that film. Okay. And it was what you're talking about. He was a gypsy traveling with a show, and he had these hypnotic abilities that were in within him of the animal magnetism and all of that. And he ended up trying to take over a whole kingdom with it. But yeah, uh, I'm sure that uh, hypnosis, because it's a natural ability that's been with us forever, there are certain people that have been able to tap in. And even Mesmer didn't know he was doing hypnosis. The original mm -hmm. Franz Anton Mesmer thought that it was just an animal magnetism that he used rods to create. But he was tapping into the hypnosis, yeah. too, and he was the originator of it in many ways. And so I'm sure that through the years, carnivals from the day one, from gypsies in old Europe, probably had people that did hypnosis in those carnivals. And, and a lot of them, I'm sure, were yeah. like swindlers <laughs> that used, and, and they yeah. used the, the same thing, the thing saying hypnosis, and hypnosis felt, you know, uh, got the blame, like you guys just said, fell victim Absolutely. to what Absolutely. they were basically doing. Because there was a guy, I mean, this is a, is a known fact, and I believe I saw it in the History Channel, or History of the um, A&E, where some guy was sold back in the 1900s a piece of the of the Brooklyn Bridge, and then that same guy bought uh, <laughs> parts of the Eiffel Tower. And then, because he was so uh, such a wealthy person, he was so embarrassed at what happened that the guy who did it got away. They didn't want to press charges because of the fact that it would make this guy look really bad. This guy was a baron oh, yeah. from England or something. And he, well, so, I, I guess they're just oh, yeah. smooth talkers. I mean, how many people do you have today that you have a woman who meets some guy who sweet talks her? Gets married and then yeah. find out the guy had four wives, and he did the same. And this is very. Hey, I think there's going to be swindlers in in all fields. I think this almost sounds like the. It almost sounds like the book we right. talked about yeah. on one of the previous podcasts, uh, "Spook Crooks" by Julian Proskauer. I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly and, and the done. thing you brought up, Eddie, about the about your uh, family uh, believing in certain things. You know what? My family comes from from Europe. You know, from uh, uh, from Naples, Italy, and my grandmother swore if somebody looked at her a certain way, they gave her the evil eye. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We, I think we've all heard that. I, I come from a, a Slavic and, and European background, and we've all you know heard that. You know, don't look at oh, somebody yeah. you know, a certain way, giving them the evil well, eye. It, in the Cuban culture and stuff, they buy you this black thing. It's, I forget what it is to protect you from the evil eye. That's something that is just a myth that has has come not just from the different cultures, but it's something that's grown into us. And now here's the thing that's really you know funny. Well, when you see all this stuff, most of this stuff, especially like Mike is saying, are just a lot of movie, a lot of the theatrics, if I say the correct word, that come into play and convince people all these different i guess legends and stuff that that are out there and it's well that, that's the thing yeah because a lot of people they they don't want to do their own research or they don't have the ability to so like they get their information from tv and movies and that's right now you know what they right, this fact right right now i got stuck in a couple of words right there i couldn't get them out so it's something <laughs> like that i guess right sure. hey michael I, got, michael I got a question for you um 
Now, has, do you know anything or has there been any research done on hypnotism on animals? Well, you know, I'll give you a story on that. Uh, yes, um, it does work well with animals. I was doing a um, fair in uh, Arizona, actually, uh, at Gila County Fair many years ago. And I was at the glorious stage that was next to the cow pens. Uh, and um, there was a dog uh, next to the stage as well. And during the show, they still talk about it to this day. During the show, when I did my the part we call the induction, where we actually do the hypnotic part of the show, all of the cattle went to sleep, including the dog. And, they, <laughs> and then they, uh, this is true, true story. And then they, they all, came, they all woke up at yeah. the end of the show. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That, no, cause you know, we've, we talked about, you know, that you, you have to want to be self, you know, hypnotized. So, you know, I wonder how would that work with animals when they don't, you know, have a clue or is it just because they're, they have no, I guess, no thought, you know, well, or against it, that they're more open to it. Well, we, you know, the way you learn to do the fractional relaxation, which is what you normally see the slow version of hypnosis, although I do instant, as I said earlier, I'll, I'll do a challenge and I'll do instant induction, which takes less than 30 seconds. But when you do the um, fractional relaxation, which is more common, the slow, you know, like you see in the movies or whatever, um, when you do that style, we're taught to use what's called a lullaby phrasing, sort of like when your mom tells you a story when you go to sleep at night or your dad reads you a story and so that lullaby phrasing is very relaxing so it's very relaxing to animals as well and of course we use music in the show that's very relaxing along with a lullaby phrasing so i assume it's just the sound tones and all of that that places them into that so uh, so a lot of that plays plays into the frequency of of what's going on right as well michael uh, let me ask you another question here, because everybody's really ganging up on you. I feel kind of. But, <laughs> oh, that, that's right, man. I hope you got your coffee brewing. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I want to ask you this other question. Uh, in reality, last year, uh, I, I think it's called the Hypnotic Institute of uh, something online. And I wanted to become a hypnotherapist. And I was actually going to take the online course, which is an accredited course. Uh, the $8,600 price tag that wasn't covered by any type of student loans or anything uh, kind of threw me off on it. Uh, was that a, would that, would you think that would have been a good uh, avenue for me? Just kind of. Well, I'm, I'm the immediate past president of the American Council of Hypnotist Examiners, which is the most respected association for hypnotists in the world. We have members all over the world, literally. Uh, our executive directors in England. We have a very high level of educational uh, requirements to be part of the association, and we only allow a very small portion of your education to be done online uh, because you, you, you really can't get the education right. on hypnotherapy that you need online uh, for your complete course. Um, now, uh, any course that's less than uh, 250 hours is not valid anyway. Um, so because there, there's a lot of people that are out there saying they're hypnotherapists. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing for our industry. They're out there saying they're hypnotherapists and they take a weekend course or a 25 hour course or whatever. <laughs> wow. And, and then they get certified. Um, well, the only, there's only a few schools that are reputable. One of them is the Hypnosis and Motivational Institute, which is in, uh, California, Southern California. And there's a few others across the country. But very few are legitimate. So if you're thinking about studying hypnosis, it's very important that you really do research. And I recommend always calling the American Council of Hypnosis Examiner's Office in San Diego. And they have a list of schools that are certified. And you can get some of your training online. But no, $8,000 for total online training, that would be a wasted effort. Oh, I That brings up up a great great point, uh, Eddie and Mike, on you know, if people want to get into hypnotism and magic, they definitely definitely need to do their research and, you know, find reputable hypnotists and magicians and, and talk with them and ask them what their opinion is. So, Michael, that, that that's great there, there, information. There's something you forgot to mention, Joe. If they, if What's they come that? to the House of the Unusual and purchase the <laughs> HypnoCoin, twenty five yes. dollars they become instant hypnosis, bro. Uh, absolutely, yep. <laughs> Jump on there. But uh, Chuck, what I wanted to ask you, you know, you know, we, you know, Michael talked about, you know, that avenue of hypnosis. What would you tell people that are wanting to uh, 
wanting to get into magic yeah. or to become uh, magicians? How would they, you know, what would be their first step on that? Because there's, there's tons of information out there and uh, sometimes it could be just an overload and it could you know, maybe scare people away. So I tell you what, what would be the best avenue question. for them? You know, the, the way everything now is with the internet and kids getting into magic. I mean, it's like a, it's like a total mess. I mean, I mean, kids are so confused and so forth. Uh, what I would recommend is to try to join your local ring. Okay, like out here in Pittsburgh, we have the the IBM, the International uh, Brotherhood of Magicians. If they join your local ring, uh, uh, so that'll that'll pretty much put you together with like minded people, you know, and so forth. That's a start. I would do that first of all. Okay, then you know, try and make friends with some of the older people, and uh, you know, but then then from there, then I would go onto the internet to try to learn some tutorials. See, see, the one advantage nowadays is kids have something which back when I got into magic, you know, when I was a kid, probably fifty years ago. Uh, we actually had to read, you know what I mean? Whereas, whereas now you could, you could go on YouTube and, and learn a lot of things. Uh, but I would stick to your local rings, you know, talk to the local magicians, you know, try and make friends with some of the older guys, which is what I've been fortunate throughout the years. You know, like there's been there's been a lot of guys in my area that are past since uh, uh, that I've made friends with, such as Tony Polito. He was a fantastic friend of mine. Uh, Harry Allbacker. I mean, they were all I was friends with Del Rey. You know what I mean? So if you get the if, if you get the friendship of some of these older people they can really teach you a lot you know one of one of the people that and chuck chuck i i would be remiss if i didn't add since you mentioned about rings uh, i'm on the uh, board of the society of american magicians hall of fame and magic museum and i would have to say there's also right. society, society of american, american magicians, magicians out there too, so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so I, I, have to, I have to say that or the people at, at the board when Absolutely. they listen to this would say why didn't you mention the essay oh, that's, that's, that's great that's Great information. And, you know, and Chuck, you brought up the uh, the videos and all that. And I would still encourage people because you could watch a, you know, a 30 minute video of someone talking about it, you know, or you could read, you know, a book and you're always going to get more information out of the book. But, you know, now people have both avenues. So, you know, if you're, you're out there and you're look, you want to get into this stuff, right. you know, use both of them. But don't don't just say, well, I'm going to watch videos and not read or I'm just going to read and not watch videos because you, you everyone has Absolutely. these these tools out there to use so you know use Absolutely. them to your advantage but be smart about it well and and not just that but a lot of the magic online uh is uh it's not exactly the best teaching tool so you do need to seek out like chuck said the people that really are in the know i was lucky i was a graduate of the chavez college of magic back in the 70s so i had really good training um and so i eventually worked the stage right. with people like marvin roy and and people that were very well oh, known yeah. johnny thompson all of these people but but you know the thing is that um today oh. there's so much of a deluge online and i would also suggest to add to what chuck said to add to enhance what he said performing is a theater art so go to your local junior college Absolutely. study theater Absolutely. study being on stage study performing because 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 to make magic magic, you have exactly. to be theatrical and a performer first. So um, it, you can learn all the tricks, all the magic Isn't in the, the world. Truth? But if you're not a good Isn't entertainer, hey, you're not. Hey, Mike, go one thing I did want to bring up also, yeah. I think. Now I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? I've been doing magic professionally about 37 years, but but I've been into it over uh, 50 years. I think I saw you perform. I'm not sure, but uh, did you ever compete at the Magi Fest in in Columbus, Ohio? Okay. No. Okay. No, I always, I always wanted to do that, but no, I, uh, the only, I don't, I'll tell you, Chuck, you probably don't know a lot about me because I've always worked for the public. Okay. I don't do the magic circle thing. Um, so, uh, the last comp major competition, well, I, I won competition with the SAM recently, but, but the major ones, you know, they're, I haven't done major ones at a national convention. Okay. Okay. Cause the reason why I asked my actually. wife and I, we've been married, it'll be 30, it'll be uh, 29 years. And back when we were dating, probably about 30 years ago, we went to the Magi Fest and I thought there was a guy, Michael Mesner. I, I, I was almost positive. And, uh, well, back then, Chuck, back then I would have been okay, Gregory okay. and Kay, <laughs> Masters of Magic. You, you, so okay. a different, a different lifetime. Well, then, well, uh, but, uh, well, Michael, I, I just a while back about a podcast ago, we told, I told Chuck a few things he had done and he had forgotten. So he was a man of mystery. He was so mysterious. He was a mystery to himself. And maybe you were back then and you just don't remember. But you know what's kind of funny? All of us, all of us have one thing in common. Chuck has all his life, uh, you know, amazed people with his uh, beautiful magic and stuff. And, you, oh, yeah. you know, you've done 
you know, hypnotic in stage and, and television all your life and stuff. And what I've done is kind of like, I brought people back to their childhood for some 35, 36 years. Yes. The novelties of when they were young. And Joe has been writing for magazines and telling us about horror stories all his life. The, yeah, Joe's an amazing writer. He really he is. is. In fact, you. you know, one of the things I liked about Joe is he said one day to me, you know, Eddie, I'm such a good writer that I bought my magazine. Yeah. And I said, wow, that, that must be really good, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, right. Mike, Mike, the one question I want to ask you, because I've always, I've, I've tried to do this to all my friends and, I, you know, I really had a great conversation with you. I am so happy to have you on this show. What was it that you wanted as a kid you didn't have that maybe I can help you with today in novelties and stuff? Do you recall? You know, uh, truthfully, um, I'm just like you. I, I love them all, but I always wanted to, I when I was a kid, I, I you know, the, you know those Dracula things that were like six feet tall? You want one of those? Things? Things? <laughs> Everybody's asking me for the one. <laughs> I'm not asking. I'm not asking. I'm just saying that was one that I, because I'm a big Bella Lugosi fan, oh, actually. So awesome. You know what I'm going to do, Mike? Mike? It's going to be my gift to you. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, yo, no, no. Listen, no. you were on the show. What I need you to do, of course, is I'll, I'll be getting in contact with you afterwards. Uh, but no, that's, that's a gift. That's one way of me saying thank you. But one thing I'm going to tell you, Mike, it's been a really big pleasure having you here. And um, it was a great conversation. I see we come from a yeah, very, absolutely. very close background with the same likes and loves. And, and let me tell you, Michael, one of the most, like I said, I love hypnotism. I know that it, it was more than bigger than life, like the stuff I sell. Uh, and in fact, if you go to my website, like I said, you can see a, a video of that, that I pulled up a while back. I did. I did. Yeah. I've been watching them. They're awesome. No, did you see the one, the Hitler's box? <laughs> It's on my. No, website. I'm gonna have to see that you one. Go to my yeah. website and then just go up. Not not the YouTube channel. Go up the website. You'll see it. I just added it. Uh, okay, it's phenomenal. But but you know what though is, I love living life, especially like I told Chuck and, and I see Chuck is just like me and Dave Harversad and and Joe, you know Dave Harversad is the you know the ex owner of uh, SS Adams. Uh, wow. And, and he's also partnered with me and we bought back uh, the Hypno Coin. It's a little bigger because I don't like people. Somebody was trying to sell some of the stuff. Like one of the ghosts I sold a few years ago, I had to stop eBay because the guy was asking like a hundred dollars for a ghost I sell for fourteen. And oh wow, they, they were trying to say it was from the seventies. So I told eBay that was not. They said how because I I make them. And <laughs> so what I did with the hypno coin, believe it or not, it's got more spirals. And I sent one to Chuck. He knows. I'm gonna let one, you know, send one to you so you see what I'm talking about. But. It's oh, wow. got, see, the original Hymnacoin had about four photographs, and then it was in yes. particular. What they did for me is instead of doing the 25 cents piece, which is about the original of the size of the original, I, I yeah. made it more like a 50 cents piece, and I duplicated it. Uh, in fact, if you go to the website, you hit the on the website itself, not on eBay, on the website, you're going to see, and you can see a picture of what it looks like, but it, it's got more spin to it, okay? So um, I did it with Dave Harvestad and we did it under Acne House Novelties, which was just a company name we came up with just to manufacture that. And we bought the seven foot uh, Frankenstein, the green one. Uh, Jeez. Hell, in hell, I mean, actually trying to get it. In fact, if you go to my eBay, yeah. which is House of the Unusual, and then there yeah. between each of the words, you know, house dash, you know, of the there you'll see me standing in front of the seven foot Frankenstein because I had to make it on paper because in plastic, mm -hmm. it was next to impossible. Wow. I see why people haven't tried to duplicate it since, but yes, uh, Michael, I have duplicated for the last 35, 40 years, every posters we had as a kid. In fact, this is funny that you, that you like Bella Lugosi because I, I do too, but I found out that for some reason, the Frankenstein, on, on male population, the male population outsells the Dracula, I would say, like, eight yeah. to one. Like, in other words, wow. every wow. 10 people, they'll buy the Frankenstein, and two will buy the Dracula. With the female, though, it's the opposite. Eight females right. will buy the Dracula, and two the Frankenstein. Now, this is funny. I As a kid, I didn't have the Dracula. I wanted to send away for it, but I didn't. And then later, like, in yeah. 1985 or 86... I wanted it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So 
1995 when the internet, because I don't know if I mentioned to you, but any DC comic from 1992 when I joined forces with the original Fun Factory, I ran a full page mm-hmm. ad in, in DC Comics with Lou Weiss back in 1993 slash 92 to 93. Wow. What happened is that uh, I think eBay was just coming around 2000, I think it was, or 1998. And one day Mm -hmm. some guy took a photograph of a poster, but they took a photograph of a Dracula poster, but they took a photograph of the box where the original poster came in. And when I started scrolling down the page, I go, oh, my God, this is the original Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to get mine in mint condition. Wow. For 78 oh, my gosh. 78 bucks. But prior to that, I paid 179 for one that was in horrible condition. Wow. Oh. Okay. But I sold it for 200 and some dollars. So I, did, I didn't lose there. But that's how I came across. And then the same guy who sold me the Dracula in the original box sold me the Frankenstein <laughs> for the oh. price. and this is the best part if you have a mail ordered mysteries by Kirk Damaris you'll see it inside that's my you know my two box versions of each one now I'll, I'll tell you what that Frankenstein and Dracula have been my best sellers oh gosh I've been selling for over 20 years now right sure so they're they're printed better than the original beautiful photographic paper um, mm. you're gonna love that man and wow, uh, that's so. I nice. tell you what, Eddie's so Eddie's Eddie's hip coin is just it unbelievable. Will, you see it. it really is. It's just amazing. Wow. Well, you know, I love. You know, actually, you can do okay. hypnosis with that coin. It's a perfect fixation tool. So it's it actually wow. it cool. actually will do. You can do hypnosis with that. Well, my, Michael, awesome. Hey guys, I, I hate to jump in here, but we're we're coming down to the the bottom of the uh, podcast. We got about three minutes or so here. So. uh Want to turn it over to each one of you guys just to, to tell, give some information on um, where to find you guys at, uh, what's the best places to how to get a hold of you, you know, stuff like that. So, Michael, where where could people find you at, and, and how could they get a hold of you? Okay, well, the best probably I have three websites, but the easy, the one that does with hypnosis is uh, mesmer m e z m e r dot weebly w e e b l y dot com, and also. Uh, I, I'm going to be featured on Reels channel on Autopsy, the last hours of about a famous magician. I'm not allowed to reveal the magician yet, but it's a famous Vegas magician. We just shot it last week. It'll be out in May. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be featured on that. And also next week, I'll be at the Poteet Strawberry Festival in Poteet, Texas, south of San Antonio, doing hypnosis and my danger magic, where I do the razor blades, put my hand in a wolf trap break arrows in my neck. So if you're in the San Antonio area, come down to Poteet and check out the show next week. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Chuck, what, what's your, your, your uh, final you last what, words I've had a fantastic this, this week's time. podcast? Nice talking to Michael and to both you guys. And if anybody wants to contact me, just search Magician Chuck Caputo. You could, you could Google me. You can watch my videos on uh, YouTube. And have a great night, guys. Thank you for everything. Awesome. Eddie, what's your, well, what's your final last in, words for us? The final thing is also follow us in the uh, YouTube channel because uh, we're bringing a whole line of magic. Uh, Chuck has joined the company under uh, Chuck Caputo Magic. You'll see a lot of his videos in our YouTube channel. The other thing is, uh, Michael, when I send you the hypno coin, I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> I want you to stare into the coin, look at it good, and then call me afterwards, okay? And, <laughs> okay. and one final thing I want to add and um, is if you look at the 25 lessons in hypnotism, that little pamphlet that came. One of the reasons so many people had to fear hypnotism is because it does say hypnotism mm-hmm. is dangerous. Be careful how you use it in the wrong hands. It could be, And that's where probably a lot of that came forth. Uh, Go ahead. Bro. Okay. You say now the final word. Awesome. Well, again, I want to want to thank everybody out there in podcast land for joining us. And I definitely want to thank our, our guests, uh, Michael and, and Chuck for joining us and giving us this awesome conversation uh, Michael, we're definitely going to have to get you on again because there, there's just so much more information to, to talk about in the world of uh, hypnotism and, and magic and illusion and all that good stuff that we all all love. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to, to do this again. I know you're going to start getting busy and all that, but you know, definitely in the future, we'll, we'll have to get you on and have another uh, great conversation. And uh, Chuck, you know, thanks again for, for coming on. And if anybody out there hasn't seen Chuck's videos on our YouTube page, House of the Unusual, Check them out. They're, they're amazing. Uh, 
when you get on to House of the Unusual on YouTube, subscribe to us. Um, leave us a comment and um, you know support us that way. You could also go to houseoftheunusual.com. We have a free forum there that you could join. Talk with some like-minded people. There's some great conversations going on there. Eddie and uh, Todd Machen, he's always on there talking about sea monkeys and robots and all kinds of you know stuff that we love. So head on over there, join it. We have a free mailing list. And uh, if you'd like to hear us talk about any particular subjects, you know, drop us a line on the uh, on the uh, website and let us know. And if you want to be a guest, you know, let us know that way as well. And so once again, Michael, Chuck, Eddie, thank you guys yep. for, for being on. This has been an one, amazing conversation. One, one final thing real quick, uh, Michael, if you can, please uh, email me your links so I can include them underneath this uh, video or I'm sorry, this audio. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll text that. I'll, I'll text them to you t later on tonight. Sounds then. great. And listen, guys. Okay. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Good night. All right. Good night, guys. Thank you.